1: You're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone on the Talk Star Radio Network. Visit us online at www.xzoneradio.com.
2: This is the Exxon on the Talk Star Radio Network. The Exxon is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. And that's 7 p.m. Pacific until 11 p.m. Pacific right here on the Talk Star Radio Network and our growing family of broadcast affiliates across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, twenty two Asian countries and across Europe. If you'd like to give us a call, our toll free number is one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. That's toll free throughout the US, Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. Once again that number is one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. My email address is XZone at talkstarradio.com on MSN Messenger, Talkstarradio at Hotmail dot And our websites, www.xzoneradio.com and www.xzonetv.com. On tonight's show, I'll be speaking with, in the first hour, Jesse Marcel, Jr. We're going to be talking about the Roswell legacy. Uh, Jesse is one of the speakers at the Roswell uh, MUFON conference that's being held in Roswell July the 3rd through the 4th. And also on tonight's show from the Roswell MUFON conference will be uh, Peter Robbins and Dennis Balthaser. And, of course, uh, Dennis is a regular contributor to the X-Chronicles newspaper. And in our final hour tonight, we'll be speaking with Poppy Lynn, who will be doing psychic readings for one and all who give us a call at one 528 8255 my first guest tonight, as I said, Exonation is Jesse Marcel, Jr. We're going to be talking about the Roswell legacy. The Roswell legacy is a story that has waited nearly 60 years to be told. Jesse, Jr. presents to the reader a clear picture of the man who was and remains at the center of the Roswell controversy, Jesse's father, Jesse Marcel, Sr. While Jesse, Jr. acknowledges that his account carries within it its own bias, He feels that it is his duty to his father to present him as the man he was and as accurately as possible and set the record straight on what he and his father saw that day in July of 1947. His story is based on what his father told him, what he personally experienced and saw with his own eyes and how the secrecy surrounding the Roswell incident has haunted and plagued the Marcel family right up until Jesse Jr.'s recent retirement. Hopefully, the Roswell legacy will end much of the controversy and speculation that surrounded Jesse Marcel Sr. and the Roswell incident for years. Joining me now is Jesse Marcel Jr. And Jesse, welcome to the X-Zone.
3: Oh, good evening.
2: It's a pleasure having you with us, Jesse. Well, um, you're going to be one of the speakers at the Roswell MUFON conference. Uh, so that's coming that's, up the 3rd to the 4th?
3: Yeah, that's correct.
2: And... Um, the Roswell case is the case that everyone in ufology knows about, and it was brought to light um, over the years. It's been talked about. It has been investigated, reinvestigated. There are those who, who believe the events as reported. There are those who say that it was nothing else but uh, a, a balloon it must have been very hard and must still be very hard for you and your family.
3: Well, you know what I did. I wrote the book to establish my dad's credibility okay. that uh, he was the intelligence officer for the 509th bomb group, and uh, uh, he knew what he was talking about and knew what he saw. He actually went to radar school so he could determine what was a radar target and what was not a radar target. Okay, it
2: was. Jesse, we have to take a two minute commercial break. Please stand by. We're very happy that you're with us tonight, and we'll be right back. Jesse Marcel Jr. is my special guest this. Welcome back, everyone. Jesse Marcel Jr. is our special guest of this hour. We're talking about the Roswell legacy, and uh, Jesse Marcel Jr. is going to be one of the speakers this July third and fourth at the Roswell MUFON conference. And I, I'm sorry about that commercial sneaking up on me, Jesse. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, no problem. So I, ho- I hope you accept my apology. Oh, you bet. <laughs> All right. We were talking about your dad, and and you know how some people believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that what. Did crash and Roswell was a UFO, and there's others who believe it was nothing else but a mogul balloon. And uh, you were saying that your dad, you know, was the intelligence officer. He he had radar experience and knowledge, and he would have known the difference between a, a balloon and a crashed craft.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, he went through radar school, so he knew what a radar target uh, that, was, uh, that was used on the uh, weather balloons as well as the mogul balloon too. Mm-hmm. So this was not what a weather balloon or radar target looked like. You know, I saw the debris, and I, I know what a radar target looks like, and this is not what it was. And if it was that he would never have brought it home for me to look at it.
2: Jesse, why did it take so long for your book to come
3: out? Well, you know, my dad died in 1986, and I thought the, the thing was put to rest then, but uh, then I realized that all of a sudden he was getting all kind of criticism from skeptics who, in, in my opinion, were not good enough to lick the boot off, you know, mud off of his boots. And, uh, and the questions came to me about this thing. So I, I decided to write a book about establishing his credibility so that people know who he was and what he was about, that uh, he was not somebody who was, uh, had a wild imagination and imagined things like this.
2: Jesse, how long did it take you to write your book?
3: Well, actually, I started when I was in Iraq. You know, I, <laughs> I, yeah. I realized that, uh, boy, with all the death and destruction around me, that uh, I had better get started on this thing. <laughs> well, that time so i started uh, in 19 2004 uh, to write the book
2: you know jesse before we go on talking about roswell i'd like to thank you and the other members of the armed services who have fought so desperately to maintain the freedom and the democracy that we all enjoy so uh, from everyone thank you for
3: your contribution well thank you very much i appreciate that you know it got so bad i not to uh, give a little anecdotal experience but it got so bad out there uh, I wrapped my computer in my flag fest so that if I took a mortar, at least my flag fest, my computer would survive. Oh, my heavens. Even I wouldn't. So. Uh, but, yeah, you know, that's just another story. But uh, that was, you know, like I said, I wanted to establish my dad's credibility that uh, he was who he was and he knew what he was talking about. And I know he, he uh, was talking about this.
2: Jesse, is this your story or your dad's story?
3: It's a combi- combination. It uh, com- combined what he had to say and what I saw in Roswell. You know, I, I'm just an observer here. I saw this for about 15 or 20 minutes uh, years ago, and uh, I, you know, I knew this was not anything, uh, you know, like a weather balloon or a radar target. But this was very unique stuff, and that's what really made my uh brought my attention to this.
2: Why the title, the Roswell Legacy?
3: Well, I think Roswell has a legacy for the uh, people of the world. You know, Roswell is a is a UFO event, and it kind of established the fact that we're not alone, that uh, there's other civilizations out there interested in us just like we'd be in them. So they're sending probes to us to investigate our own civilization.
2: There have been so many books written on Roswell, uh, Jesse. How is yours
3: different? Well, again, it's kind of first hand experience. I'm not... Uh, there are not too many of us around who saw the stuff firsthand. So I wanted to get my, my uh, impressions down on paper.
2: If I can take you back to that night in uh, July of 1947, what do you remember about that night, the, the night that your father showed you what he had found at the crash site?
3: Well, you know, my dad had been sent out to the uh, Foster Ranch uh, by Colonel Blanchard along with the CIC agent uh, Sheridan Cavett. And, our, and to pick up some strange debris that fell on the, on the rancher's land. Mm-hmm. And our house happened to be on the way back to the base, so uh, uh, there's no classification at this at that time. So he decided to bring this by the house uh, late at night to uh, to show my mother and myself what he found. And what he did, he had uh, prepositioned some of this debris on the kitchen floor and uh, then got myself and my mother up to come look at what he out there at the uh, bay, at least what he was bringing in and he used words like I think this is parts of a flying saucer and uh, that, that's where it started
2: can you describe what these items looked like Jess
3: well I guess the most unique item was were the beams that had uh, kind of like a, a writing along the inside surface of this mm-hmm. uh, it looked like mathematical symbols I thought at first this was like a hieroglyphics but it was not that but this is like a Geometric symbols uh, of various uh, you know, figures and uh, just imprinted on the inside surface of an eye beam. And they're uh, kind of purple violet hue, semi reflective light, but that was the most unusual aspect. Uh, of course, there was a lot of foil like debris that uh, mm-hmm. looked at, marveled at the fact that it's so light, like feathers, and uh, I did not to try to bend it or tear it like other people did, but uh, there's a lot of foil, very strange material. And there was some black plastic uh, debris that I thought looked like a fake light. But the most unique thing was le- the lettering on the in- inside surface of this I-beam.
2: Have you seen any lettering like that in your travels around the
3: world, Jess? Well, actually, you know, not really. Uh, I know there was a program on UFO Hunters about uh, the Nazi bell, mm-hmm. you know, which is a, supposed to be a UFO there. And I was looking at this program the other night, and there was some lettering along the outside surface of this bell that kind of resembled what I saw in Roswell.
2: Did you ever think, as you were growing up, that that night in July 1947 was going to affect your life and the world the way it has?
3: Well, you know what it, what happened was that uh, you know my dad flew the uh, debris into uh, General Ramey's office at the Eighth uh, Air Force Command at uh, Fort Worth, mm-hmm. and uh, he displayed the, the debris to Colonel Rainey, to General Rainey. And when he got back home after that sat my mother and myself down and told us to never talk about this again. It was a non-subject, it was a non-subject and uh, did not happen. So, you know, we just didn't talk about it for years because he was following orders and I was too because uh, I was an Army brat at that time. So we just did not talk about this. Although it was always in the back of our mind that, boy, we saw something very strange that night.
2: How did the crash affect your dad after he left the services?
3: Well, you know, he's... Kind of close chest about this. He kept it close to his chest, and didn't really talk about that until nineteen uh, seventy-eight, I guess, when Stanton Friedman, who was a researcher, mm-hmm. got a hold of him and started interviewing him about what he saw that night. But he did not talk about that, no, nor did Dust. And so Stanton really uh, unveiled this thing. He uh,
2: he opened the Pandora's box, so to speak. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> Jesse, I understand you spoke with your dad on, in his last days. What did he tell you?
3: Well, he had just come back from uh, the field out there in Roswell, mm-hmm. and uh, at the behest of a, at uh, one of the TV stations in in New Orleans, and I asked him, you know, was there any debris left out there? And he said, no, they vacuumed it up. That was his words. They vacuumed the debris up just to make sure that there was none of it left, or for civilians to get a hold of.
2: And, looking uh, looking back in time, Jesse, how do you how does how do you feel about the 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 switch of the Army's um, press release from being a crashed ufo to being a weather balloon
3: well you know i kind of understand that because uh you know we were right at the end of world war ii mm-hmm. in the beginnings of the cold war with the ussr and i can understand why something as momentous as this should be kept secret you know because it involved national security so uh, my, that's when my dad looked at it too that uh this was something that happened uh you know we're still in a world of hurt here in the world and uh uh, this probably should not be brought out at this time because people were just recovering from World War II and we were just embarking in a Cold War. So, uh, you know, that's not, you know, said.
2: I understand. Um, what do you think has happened to the items that your dad recovered from the crash debris field?
3: You know, from my knowledge and from what my dad said, I think uh, it was primarily flown to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. And uh, there may be some at Sandy Labs in New Mexico, but I think most of it is still at the Wright-Patterson. Did your dads
2: happen to see any of the alien bodies that were allegedly retrieved from the crash site uh, when he arrived uh, at the crash site?
3: We know he, he never said he saw those. And I think had he seen something as exotic as that, he would have made it known. But he knew people who did see them. So even though he did not see them himself, he knew others who were very trustworthy, and uh, kind of took it on their word that, yes, there were crew members out there.
2: Jesse, what do you know about the aliens that the military allegedly recovered?
3: Well, very little. Just while reading the papers, actually, like Will Rogers. Mm-hmm. and Because, uh, you know, like I said, I, I saw the debris from the primary debris field that my dad was uh, associated with, and apparently there was a uh, another crash site some distance away, and that's where the crew members of this, this uh, vehicle were, were found. And, uh, you know, I... I really have no knowledge about that except what I read.
2: How did your dad feel about the government-initiated uh, cover-up, and, and how did the cover-up affect his life?
3: Well, you know, he was a good soldier. He was following orders, and he determined that this is uh, uh, not uh, to be divulged to the civilian community, that uh, this may have uh, implications for national security. So he just put it to rest there. Although later in the 50s, early 50s, you know, when he was getting out of the Air Force, I remember him saying something like, you know, I've had enough of this, i got to get out. So whether that had anything to do with the Roswell site, I don't know, but uh, he had enough of the military at that time.
2: Did you start to have an interest in UFOs after the crash?
3: Well, what I did have an interest in was astronomy and cosmology because I realized that, uh, hey, we're not alone, that there's mm-hmm. other guys out there, our distant cousins from uh, you know various parts of the galaxy or any other galaxies. So, it did make me very interested in astronomy and cosmology. And, uh, I read everything I could do about that. And, uh, you know, following up on the Hubble telescope, following other planets, you know, it's just amazing. We have a, a tremendous universe out there.
2: We certainly do. And I love what you just said, our distance cousins.
3: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm, this may be pretty religious. You know, plus what I saw in Iraq, too. maybe may Fox religion, I guess. But, uh, I do believe in a creator, Mm -hmm. and to say that he only created us means there's a lot of wasted space out there. So he created a lot more than just us. Uh, We have our relatives out in outer space.
2: Jesse, I agree with you 100%. It's a pleasure talking to you. Please stand by. We'll be back (laughs) after this news break. Exo Nation, uh, Dr. Jesse Marcel, Jr. is our very special guest. He is a full bird colonel, uh, retired. And we're talking about the Roswell Legacy. That is Jesse's book, and Jesse's going to be one of the speakers uh, at the Roswell MUFON conference that's being held in Roswell, July 3rd and 4th. one 877 528 is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. Jesse Marcel Jr. and I return on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue live and around the world right here in the X-Zone.
1: Hey, hello there, I'm Victor Ives from Talkstar Radio and our new commercial-free movie channel, White Springs TV. You know, for over two and a half decades, I hosted Golden Age of Radio on hundreds of radio stations across America. And now I'm proud to be part of bringing you the Golden Age of Movies and lots of family-friendly movies without commercial interruption. Find out about White Springs TV online at www.whitesprings.tv. It's free because we do have commercials between the movies while we present cartoons, musical shorts, previews, classic TV, special entertainment, and informational features. See it online at www.whitesprings.tv and on a growing list of TV stations and cable systems, as well as direct from space anywhere in the U.S., Canada, Mexico, and much of Central America. White Springs TV. Douglas James Cottrell,
2: who has been called Canada's Edgar Cayce, has just made available his latest CD, Douglas Cottrell, 2012 Earth Changes, the first CD in the 2012 Prophecy Series. This session features information gathered from the Akashic Records and a deep trance meditation session by Douglas James Cottrell in March of 2009. In this session, Douglas explains changes that have taken place in the Earth's core, changes to the Earth's poles, and the real reason why the polar caps are Melting. Douglas also elaborates on increased volcanic and earthquake activity between now and 2012, including what, where, and when. To order your copy of Douglas Cottrell 2012 Earth Changes, visit his website at douglasjamescottrell.com
1: or call toll-free 877 co You're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone on the Talkstar Radio Network. Visit us online at www.xzoneradio.com.
2: Is the X on the Talkstar Radio Network. Our toll free number is 1-877-528-8255. That's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is XZone at com, And on MSN Messenger, you can always chat with us live here in our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada by using the MSN address, Talkstarradio, at Hotmail.com and our websites. com and www.xzonetv.com My producer tonight at Master Control in Titusville, Florida, the home of the Talkstar Radio Network, is my good friend Alec. Alec, always nice working with you. My guest this hour X-Zone Nation is Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr. He is a retired full bird colonel who served as a flight surgeon for 18 months in Iraq. He spent 38 years serving his country with honor, loyalty, and dignity. And, uh, Jesse Marcel Jr., thank you very much for taking time out of your day to join us here on the X Zone tonight. Oh,
3: it's my pleasure.
2: Um, you know, I I've got to tell I've got to be honest with you, Jesse. I used to be a skeptic. Well, uh, and certainly. it's and it's been and it's been the 17 years doing this show, talking to people like Stanton Friedman, uh, Kevin Randall, your, yourself, and and hearing the the sincerity in people's voices that you 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 look at things differently and and you start reading between the lines and I think one of the biggest questions that I now have for skeptics is why would so many people lie about an event that never happened for what purpose
3: a good question yeah I don't think they would no, it's just not me, but there are many other people yeah. who are involved with this thing, too. And they all came out with basically the same story, same description of what happened. So um,
2: There's a lot of consistency.
3: Uh, you bet. Now, I, I know what I saw. And, uh, and other people saw the same thing. So, you know, they're not lying about this thing. It really happened. And, you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious. And uh, I think it's a world-changing event.
2: Jesse... You know, I I asked you about how this affected your dad's life. How did this event affect your mom?
3: You know, she was a housewife of the 1940s, and, you know, she was not very outspoken. She kind of kept to herself, and uh, like my dad, she kind of kept it close to her chest. Uh, But we all knew what it was, but uh, we just didn't talk about it.
2: Why do you think that the military and or our government still continue to cover up and remain silent about this event? We're not in the Cold War era anymore. Um, you know, we want to, we want to go forward and we want to work together as a global community. And yet, still this cover up. Why?
3: Yeah, I wish I knew. Uh, you know, it's not just the United States, but there are other world governments involved with this thing too.
2: Sure. Look at Canada.
3: But it's a world, yeah, exactly. You know, the U.K. and Canada, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, France, the Soviet Union, or or Russia has the same kind of events. So why are they all keeping this thing close to their chest? You know, it's kind of scary because maybe it's something that we really don't want to know about. But I, I don't see anyone releasing this.
2: If it was a matter of national security... I agree with you. There are things we should know. There are things we don't need to know. Because right. the lives of those who are protecting democracy depend on the secrecy. You, you exactly. Yeah. However, with all the people who are seeing these, these craft in the skies over the United States, Canada, and the rest of the world, the number of credible witnesses like yourself law enforcement officers, airline pilots, other members of the military, astronauts who are coming out and saying, listen,
3: enough
2: is enough.
3: Exactly. Ed Mitchell, who is a Apollo 14 astronaut, Mm -hmm. uh, has some very good stories to tell about this thing. He's a firm believer in UFOs, at least the uh, reality of UFOs. Gordon
2: Cooper was also a proponent uh, of of releasing the information. And then you've got people like Steve Bassett who are out there lobbying to get the truth out. and, And it seems that... Everyone who wants to get this story out, whether it's in the United States or Canada or any other country around the world, is coming upon deaf ears, except when it comes to France now and the United Kingdom, because they're starting to release their files. And I think they're doing it in such a manner where it won't be information overload.
3: Yeah, I think there's a slow drip of information so that uh, finally people say, yes, Mm -hmm. they are out there, you know, the reality is here. Uh, uh, But it won't come overnight, but... uh, you know, it's not like these guys are going to land on the White House, loan or or in Toronto, you know, and take me to your leader type yeah.
2: thing. <laughs> so, you know, you were you were you were joking before about being coming a, um, uh, a a trench religious person. Yes. Well, I'm over here, and um, I, I guess I'm a radio religious person because I you know I believe in a higher power. I believe that we are all connected at a very uh, spiritual linkaged from one person to the next no matter where we are and i often wonder jesse and, and and exonation if i if i what i'm going to say is going to offend anyone i certainly don't mean it i i just mean it as a way of asking a question i believe that the the conspiracy may not only be being committed by the governments of the world but also the vatican
3: you know, the Vatican did come out with a statement not too long ago mm-hmm. that said it is not contradictory to believe in extraterrestrial life with your religious beliefs. So uh, I was glad that the Vatican did come out with this, but the Vatican certainly knows a lot more about this than they're willing to let on. But they did kind of open the door a little bit mm-hmm. there when they said that you know it's not contradictory to believe in it, in uh, your religion uh, as well as extraterrestrial life.
2: You know, is it possible that the angels of yesteryear were actually quote-unquote, our our distant cousins coming to visit us.
3: Well, you know, there's been some thought about that because these guys have been around a long, long time. You know, look at the cavemen art on the walls of caves. uh, There's, you know, really traditional UFOs, uh, flying saucers. And you look at medieval paintings. There are flying saucers in there, too. Mm -hmm. So these guys have been around a long time.
2: And then when you start putting the events in biblical times into the present day with our knowledge of astronomy, physics, and the other sciences, the star of Bethlehem, could it have been a guiding light of an E.T. origin? Angels, the angel um, Gabriel, could he have been a visitor? Could he have been a distant cousin? And could Jesus, not unlike Hercules, be the the son of a god with a
3: mortal? Well, you know, it could be, you know... Anything is possible, yeah. you know, that's not impossible. And, uh, you know, who knows? But, uh, you know, the story is much bigger than, than we realize it is. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, it's just, it's all inspiring It really is.
2: You're a, you're a retired full-bird colonel. Did this story affect your military career in any way, Jesse? Well,
3: not not at all. You know, as a matter of fact, I had flag-ranked, flag-ranked officers asked me about the, the UFO event at Roswell, and, uh, you know, I was with a uh, Black Hawk unit in Iraq. And once we got away from hostile fire areas where we really had to look at the ground, make sure no one was shooting at us, you know, once we get over the desert, uh, away from enemy fire, uh, we all, the guys always start talking about Roswell. So, yes, there's widespread interest in the military with this thing.
2: What do you now believe about ETs? Um, do you believe that they're presently here with us now?
3: You know, I think they're scientists. Uh, I think they're curious about this uh, civilization that we have, uh, just like we would be about them. Yeah. You know, we're sending probes out to other planets, uh, even into interstellar space so far. Uh, so I think they're just kind of following us along, keeping tabs on us, so to speak. Because, you know, we're, we're still very primitive. You know, God only knows, look at the war like <laughs> well, we have now. So, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, before they contact us, I think we have to be at peace with ourselves.
2: I look at us being like cavemen having a rifle is what it is like for us now having nuclear weapons.
3: Oh my God! Yeah, you know people ask you know why have they not contacted us? But you know they have more fear from us than than we from them because mm-hmm. uh, we tend to shoot first and ask questions later. I got oh, I saw enough of that already. So
2: plus, to my to the best of my knowledge, Jesse, there is no reported case where. The, uh, the the visitors have taken aggressive action on us first.
3: Yeah, that's true. And, you know, and, uh, Nick Pope of the uh, uh, Defense Association in the, in, U, in the U.K. Mm-hmm. said they try to shoot these things down. Yeah. yeah I think that's a big mistake because it's like poking a, a sleeping bear with a stick. I don't think you want to do that. <laughs>
2: Tell me, um, have you ever visited Wright, uh, Wright-Patterson Basin, Akron? And uh, while you were there, if you were there, did you hear any stories about what may be stored there?
3: Uh, no, I've never been there, but I've heard a lot of rumors about what's stored there. There's, uh, you know, the secretaries who actually saw some material from being brought in from Roswell, and it was explained to them that this was extraterrestrial. There's a June, I can't think of her last name, but uh, she was a uh, top-secret stenographer. And she saw some of this material.
2: Jesse, have you ever seen a UFO? Uh, the only
3: thing, you know, I can't you know, I have 3,500 hours in uh, in military helicopters, you know, both day and night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never seen anything in, during the daytime, but uh, I have one interesting anecdotal experience. You know, one night we were flying back from, uh, to Crete uh, from northern Iraq into Balan, where I was stationed, which is about 40 miles north of Baghdad. In a couple of Black Hawk helicopters about 1 o'clock in the morning. And of course, you fly with no lights on, uh, mm-hmm. or infrared, so that the bad guys can't see you. And, uh, you know, looking out over the desert there, in totally open country, and there's a bright light just skimming along the surface of the, of the ground there, heading up toward Turkey. And all the crew looked, looked like, you know, what the heck is that? You know, it was not a civilian aircraft, uh, no fly zone, so to speak, but here was just a bright light skimming along the surface of the ground heading up toward Turkey very rapidly. could not explain that. There's just a light in the sky. So well, what does that mean?
2: That, that's true. That's true. Jesse, what do you think is actually happening at Area 51?
3: Well, you know, my personal experience, uh, th- thoughts are that it is just a, uh, not just, but it is a base where we develop high technology for uh, experimental aircraft mm-hmm. like the F-117 or the V-1 bombers. Yeah. So I think it was ours.
2: You know, I remember stories just before the first Gulf War, where people would rent vans with Doppler radar units, and they'd go <laughs> to the outskirts, and uh-huh. uh, they'd see the lights in the sky, but couldn't understand oh, yeah. that that there wasn't they weren't getting any radar return, and just find out it was the F one seventeen.
3: I think it was ours, and I don't think it was you know extraterrestrial technology, but I might be wrong. That's just my opinion.
2: Do you ever get involved in UFO investigations?
3: Uh, not really. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm a, an observer and mm-hmm. not an investigator. So I just can relate what I saw on that one occasion. I have my thoughts with this thing, though. And I do a lot of reading about this.
2: I understand that you retired in 2005 Jesse. see what are you doing right. now, and what are your plans for the future?
3: Well, I was working at the VA as a ENT doctor until I retired in uh, April of 2006. And, uh, you know, right now I'm just uh, kind of, at home, uh, just doing a lot of research, reading about UFOs, and I give talks to uh, various organizations, and I do a lot of traveling. You know, I went to Germany, I've been to France, Spain, and not, not Spain, but uh, Italy. Uh, so I do a lot of traveling with it.
2: What does it feel like, Jesse, to be one of the very few people on this planet who may have actually touched a, a piece of a craft from another world.
3: Well, it's kind of unique. I just wish there were more of us out there uh, uh, to, you know, corroborate stories and things like that. Uh, actually, there was a program with UFO hunters with uh, Bill Burns, mm-hmm. who uh, had a couple of guys, me and and one of the uh, soldiers who collected the debris from Roswell, uh, examined various part, you know, various samples of uh, foil-like material uh, independently. And we both picked out the same material as being uh, what we saw in Roswell. It was mylar. Uh and he since died. So I, yeah, you know, I may be just kind of a, like a lone duck here.
2: Well, Jesse, we're glad you're there, and we're glad that you're, you know, <laughs> you, that you're giving your side of the story. And you know, there's there's so many different stories that the skeptics like to like to give, and, yeah. and then you've got people who are trying so hard, like yourself, Kevin Randall, and of course, Stanton Friedman. Has done, uh, has done a lot of important work when it comes to Roswell. And um, I, yeah, it, it's, it's not hard to understand why so many people are getting more and more interest into the UFO field. Jesse, stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break. But when we come back, I'd like to talk to you about the MUFON, uh, the Roswell MUFON conference. That's coming up July 3rd and 4th in Roswell. Exonation, Dr. Jesse Marcel, Jr., is our very special guest. We're talking about his book, Legacy, and Jesse Marcel, Jr. is going to be one of the speakers at this year's Roswell MUFON conference that is coming up July 3rd and 4th in Roswell. My name's Rob McConnell. This is the Zone. and uh, when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking to Jesse about this year's conference, and we'll also be speaking to Dennis Balthasar later on tonight. We're still trying to get a hold of Peter Robbins, uh, who is supposed to be our next guest. And uh, also, fi- in the final hour of tonight's show, Poppy Lynn will be doing Psychic readings. This is the X-Zone on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. We'll be back after this
0: break. Drum roll, please. You're about to make one of the smartest decisions of your life. You're going to get your degree online. It's a fact, people with a degree on average make a million dollars more in a lifetime. But where are you going to go to school? There are hundreds of online colleges and universities, and thousands of programs to choose from. No worries, cue the music. Introducing Education Connection. This amazing free service will help you find the right school for you for free. Every day, Education Connection matches students to schools that are perfect for them. Not sure about what to study? Log on to 9educationmatching.com and get a free personality test that can help match you to the right career. This is a $75 value, but it's yours free. So take a minute and go online and learn more about your favorite subject, you. Get a free personality test, a $75 value, at 9educationmatching.com. The number 9, educationmatching.com. That's 9educationmatching.com.
2: Are you getting tired of all the bad news? Well, then take a break from the worries of the world and play the love game. It's time to focus on what is really important in our lives, our relationships. You deserve more love, happiness, and harmony in your life. Synchro Hearts is the new hot relationship game that guarantees more love, laughter and romance for you and your partner. It's not a sex game, it's a love game based on all the important relationship stuff like better communication, more intimacy and lots of fun and excitement. Great intimacy is just one of the benefits of playing Synchro Hearts. Now President Obama inspires hope, love and peace for the world. Synchro Hearts offers more hope, love and harmony for relationships. To order your very own edition of Synchro Hearts, visit Synchro Hearts' website now at www.synchrohearts.com. That's www.syncrohearts.com. Dr. Jesse Marcel, Jr. is our very special guest this hour. First of all, Jesse, thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I wish you many more years of success. And well, as you. I've said it before, Appreciate thank that. you and the other members of the Armed Services for, for protecting us and for maintaining our democracy. It you means know, a lot that, to everyone.
3: That, that thought means a lot to me. It really does.
2: Well, I thank you, sir. Jesse, when you're out talking like you're going to be one of the speakers at the Roswell uh, events that are coming up July 3rd and the 4th, what is, what is one of the most frequently asked questions you get asked?
3: Oh, well, I guess, you know, why did I think this came from outer space? You know, What was so different about this? Mm-hmm. So I'd like to go into uh, as much detail as I recall about what the material was like and uh, what I thought it was and uh, where do I think it came from. So, so that you know that's that's basically mm-hmm. the main question I have.
2: What are you going to be uh, talking about uh, this uh, this coming July third and fourth at well, the uh, conference?
3: Again, you know what I like to do is is kind of go along with uh, you know showing some pictures of UFOs that are taken before mm-hmm. computer enhancements and things like that. I have pictures taken back in 1870 of UFOs, so I you know, just demonstrate that these guys have been around for a long time. And uh, you know I like to go into uh, a uh, few facts about my dad, his credibility, and so forth, and then just go to the Roswell uh, crash site and what I saw there and take questions from the audience.
2: Once again, Jesse, I want to thank you very much for joining us, and I look forward to sharing the microphone with you one day okay. again
3: in the future. Okay. You know, I would like to add one thing. Certainly. Uh, you know, my website is down, but I do have an email address that okay. if people have questions they want me to answer, I'd be glad to answer them as best I could. It's uh, Marcel at us.army.mil.
2: Colonel, Dr. Jesse, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Oh, you bet.
3: Tonight. Thank you. Good My night, pleasure. sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: Dr. Jesse Marcel, Jr., he is the author of the, U- uh, the Roswell Legacy, and he is the son of Major Jesse Marcel, who was the intelligence officer for the 509th Bomber Group, famous for dropping the atomic bomb on Japan. And the first military officer to reach the scene of one of the most famous and enduring UFO events in the recorded history of mankind. His son, who was our guest this hour, Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr., is a full, retired uh, colonel for the United States Army, who also served as a flight surgeon in Iraq. And Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr. is going to be one of the many speakers this coming July 3rd and 4th at the Roswell MUFON Conference Still to come on tonight's show, Dennis Balthaser and uh, Poppy Lynn, and we're going to try and get a hold of Peter Robbins once again, who is the Master of Ceremonies and also a UFO investigator himself. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. This is the Exxon on the Talk Star Radio Network. Our websites, www.xzoneradio.com and www.xzonetv.com. Some of the other speakers who are going to be at the Roswell MUFON conference are, let me see, Richard Dolan. He's going to be talking about exposing the cover-up, past, present, and future. Karen Dolan is going to be conducting UFO workshops for children. Uh, Let me see. We also have Dennis Balthasar, who is going to be with us later on tonight, talking about underground bases and tunnels. And Alessandro Roja, who is uh, the MUFON's Director of Public Education, is also going to be talking. And then Peter Robbins, who is the conference and MC. And he's also going to be the panel discussion moderator on UFO 101. This is the Exxon on the Talk Star Radio Network, coming to you live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'll be back on the other side of this news break as we continue right here on Talkstar.